This is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and you might as well be naked. Listen up, mortal. If you've desperately explored the web for vampire-themed clothing, but everything was either cheesy, sparkly, poor quality, or cost an arm and a leg, then sink your teeth into Just Bloody Driven. Just Bloody Driven is a graphic design coterie that provides exactly what you've been missing in vampire-themed apparel. They offer brand-name t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, and hoodies to the U.S., U.K., and Germany. Their convenient Amazon shop handles orders, printing, shipping, and and returns. They also do bulk order discounts and custom design crafting for your shop or gaming community. Don't settle for dull, lifeless garb that drains your pocketbook. Check out Just Bloody Driven on Facebook or search for them at Amazon.com. That's Just Bloody Driven at Facebook or Amazon.com. Our efforts are focused and brutal, calculating and unrelenting. This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I am Bob. And today is the very last episode of... The current incarnation of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. It's the very last book. And uh, when I say it's the last, obviously, as they put out more books, we're going to do more recording. But this is it. This is the end of the catalog. This is where the, the um, it's uh, where all lines end, basically. <laughs> it's the, um, it's the finish. Right, right. Um, what was the, what was that, uh, that place in, in The Walking Dead where Terminus right? Terminus, right? <laughs> That's what this is. Um, so, uh, interestingly enough, we have two books that we're going to review, um, because one of the books kind of like, I guess it kind of like slid under the radar a little bit and I wasn't quite sure where to fit it in. And, um, it's a smaller book because, um, you know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have the substance of but, a lore of the bloodlines, but you should never judge a book by its size. It's about the function. Right, exactly, exactly. I don't want to in any way, shape, or form give the impression it's not, It you know, it doesn't stand up on its own, but I figured, fuck it, we'll just do two uh, reviews to end. But before we get into the books and what we're going to review, let's get a little retrospective here, Bob. That's that's our job, right? We get a little retrospective. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to ask you, um, and, and, you know, feel free to answer as uh, you see fit. But like, what are what's like the maybe the favorite book we reviewed that you did, or like your your favorite book to reread since we started doing this podcast? Man, that's tough. Yeah, it is. It's definitely tough, and I didn't ply you at all. It's totally off the cuff. Yeah, so. You hit me in the face. It was like, oh, we're gonna do that. I didn't even. <laughs> I I, no, I suppose. I uh, it's rough because I'm going because your yeah, job to stumble through all words. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well how, how about I, this books that i originally didn't like when i was younger right mm-hmm. we'll do it from that list i think it's shorter i originally absolutely didn't like the venture revised book um or the or the first round i just didn't care about venture right because that's mm-hmm. pro the sombra the jerks and i was like all right cool but i think when we redid it and we saw like the you know the things that didn't add up things that was crazy stuff they fixed that got to be cool that's clan book wise so that's what i'm looking for and I would say of any improvement, God, it's all V20. Yeah. 
It's all V20. That's that's where my favorite books lie. It's the redos. Uh, save. There's there's one. We haven't reviewed it, so I can't <laughs> say. There's only one book that's, you know, Stargate, as you'll see why it's my fa- it's my preferred to what we're about to hit today, which is mm-hmm. why I stumbled on that. Um, I will state this. I think the Bali Revised is a work to make it digestible for right. a modern audience to be able to use. So the STs don't say no. But when we do the Dark Ages review, when I bust out my black tarp and I sacrifice a goat right before we do that one um, so I can appease those who must be kept or whatever I choose to do, um, that's when I'm going to uh, get into that book a little bit more. But I would say, however, Lore of the Clans uh-huh. would, have, would have to be my favorite. Um, I have a couple that um, I'm going to shine a few lights on that I, I consider like favorites as far as like what we reviewed, not our favorite podcast, because I, um, I, I feel like our podcasts are kind of like my children. I want to ignore them all equally. Um, but, but <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm very much like you, you give birth to it and you, you, I'm a gangrel when it comes to our podcasts, right? I embrace them and then I just, let them off into the wild and i try not to think about what they're doing i try not to think about all of the trouble they're getting into i I just i i set them and forget them but favorite books that i've reread um one uh, is actually a similar one to what you said which is the actually the original venture clan book uh because i forgot how ludicrous it was and rereading it i was like oh my god (laughs) no no wonder people don't like this clan um and then the one i was most pleased with in a sort of retrospective way uh that i think that they they took something that was really ridiculous and they made it into something that was like kind of digestible and maybe kind of playable is the v20 black handbook um i'm very pleased with what they did in in consideration with what they were were doing <laughs> uh, the original dirty secrets of the black hand is is insane and this one's like uh, okay it's less insane i'll tell you who influenced my look in the v20 line because before i was like i already read this i don't, I don't necessarily care um we did an interview with justin Achille, and it, right. it still sticks out in my head that these were labors of love like knowing where it came from the effort that went into it it feels like these were the, these were the books that you had to do a deep dive on and no. And when we did it, that's, that's when I came to the conclusion. I prefer V20. It's cutting out none of what you've missed. And right. it's just adding that love that it, it's where the fans and authors met. And that's, yeah. that's always going to be the better printed product. I would say in a, in a true perspective, like 90% of everything that's in V20, I really think that they cut all the bullshit out and they just gave you the goods. Um, that having been said, uh, we are reviewing the last two V20 books here and, um, we'll just, we'll just go from there. So the last two books we're reviewing here, uh, I'll stop belaboring the point is the 20th anniversary edition vampire ready-made characters book. Um, there's this beautiful thing. I'm going to show Bob right here. Hello. It's, uh, and then lore of the bloodlines, which is, uh, sort of like the wrap up of, the previous book that we did, which was Lore of the Clans. Uh, so you get like the last few stragglers of, of bloodlines, essentially. So let's not uh, let's not start. Let's not fuck around anymore. Let's get right into this. So the first one that we're going to review is the ready-made characters book. Um, and uh, this was kind of uh, I believe this was a uh, like something that was done through Kickstarter. 
Um, and uh, basically, what is this book, Bob? Uh, what this book is, if you're somebody who's new to the game or you're a new storyteller, especially, and you want to get an idea of what types of characters might exist in the world or an experienced storyteller looking to spice up your typical group, this is a book that shows you how to look at these ready-made characters. They have everything you need, including unique backgrounds, concepts, and even different levels of starting points. So if you want to have an advanced version of the character or a basic starter, it's got both for every single character. In addition, right. you can also have find links of how to link them into a plot. Or if you didn't know what to do with those characters, they give you example coders you can put them in. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> and it's very cool, too, because they give you... Uh, like one character from each of your 13 primary clans. Um, and it, you know, it does it in an alphabetical order. So that's really cool. Um, and, uh, it, again, like it gives you some, uh, in contextualization as to how to like, um, include, uh, these characters as like a coterie in your game. Um, and, uh, also what I noticed too, is that, um, each one of these characters, I think all of them, um, where they have two different versions of the of the character as it's created, like a, a beginning version, like a seven five three style character, and then like a little bit more of an advanced character. Uh, each one of the advanced ones has like a little like special discipline from the clan or a little combo discipline. So I thought that that was really cool too because it just, it even gives you like here's an advanced version, but like with a little bit more, like a little thing you know from the lore of the, the clans or something. And I thought that that was really cool. And uh, it's unique, right? Because uh, this one is, of course, uh, because the lore of the clans was such a hit with the Kickstarter, they were able to make this book. And, uh, you know, which is what you said in the beginning, but I just like to point it out because I can almost hear people saying it. I said it for you guys. I got your back. <laughs> got your back. And um, so um, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I was going to ask you for once. Uh, what are some of your favorite characters out of this book? All right. So. Thank you for asking. Um, the first character that uh, I'm actually, I've already decided I'm putting in one of my games uh, is Mama Polari. Uh, I think that that is a very interesting and dynamic character. And as I was reading it, I very much was like, oh, I, I could see places to put that in my in my game. Like I, I have little plot points. Um, lately, I've been, I've been kind of looking at games a little bit differently. Um, instead of looking at it as fully like sandbox, I'm like, okay, how can I, where can I like plant little seeds where the characters might sort of incidentally end up where I could like give them something to do? Um, especially when you're dealing with uh, players who are not like driven to just play their characters where they're like, okay, we're in the world now, what do we do? It's important to have like one or two little characters where they can kind of drive them in a certain direction. And I thought that that was a really cool one. Um, I of course like the Giovanni character. Uh, I, uh, think that that one is a very cool, very interesting character. And then, um, I also like big Keith. <laughs> big Keith is such a weird yeah. character. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I've, I, as of late, I've been kind of like, I wouldn't say anti-Malkavian, but like it has, like, I've just been like, these characters are kind of boring. I don't really care. And this one, I, I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of an interesting character. That'll be fun to throw in. Um, what about you? For me, uh, Big Keith was a good one, and uh, and I'll tell you why. Big Keith and his background had his embrace. Of course, they all do, but his cracked me up the most because it's never discussed, right? It's like, mm -hmm. what happens when you're like, you know, yeah, I'm this Malk, and I'm into all these drugs, and these hallucinogens. So I found the guy that is making them happen, right? He, he can make them. So that's who Big Keith is, big chemist guy. So I'm in there, 
And oh, by the way, folks, backdrop, he's in the Maganon building. So if you know what that is, great Easter egg, um, which we all know is like a Dawkins special trademark. You're going to find them everywhere, right? Which is awesome. Right. I love that he does it. And uh, Big Keith has it. And so he talks about this chemist. His sire embraces him after he's on these this this super hallucinogenic trip. They're both rolling, right? Just just are out of it. Now, how his sire embraced him had no choice. She drank too much of his blood. And then when she was like, oh, man, he's going to die, just embraced him. <laughs> and then he wakes up, frenzies, and she's still hallucinating, right? It has to be. And he rips apart the intern that's in the room. So if you're you're an intern working at the table, don't know what they're doing back there, all of a sudden it's, ah, and he eats you and you're down. And then they're both looking at each other afterward like, oh, man, that sucked. What what are we going to do? Uh, I guess we hide the body. And no one's found the intern since. <laughs> right they probably don't remember to me the fun part about the character they were high as balls like just out of it they don't know where they put him was he even there let's argue that when their eyes closed he ceased to exist right so the other thing that i like when i saw that character the character reminded me visually of um what's his name uh from the punisher magazine or the the punisher barracuda um yeah barracuda right i was like what the i thought the same thing but his background not barracuda no, no, <laughs> it no, threw no, me no. for a loop, yeah, but it would be awesome. Um, let me tell you, uh, there was a treat. Mad mm-hmm. Dog Darmid Dunsern. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like where I like Big Keith. I love Mad Dog. He's crazy. The, the right. crazy Scotsman who's like this old guy running around kicking the snot out of people, saying "cunt" every three words. Right? It's like you look. It's like this dude is just like so, so, so Scottish. I don't even know what to do with it. Right? It's just you right. just gotta go with it. And you got to play him that way. And, you know, he's got firms. He's just in, he's just in the mix. And uh, that the character would be a lot of fun to pick up. Um, right. Then you have those uh, two other cool ones I like. So I do like, because I'm going over what I would play, right? No problem. Right. Um, yeah. We have, uh, where'd he go? Ezekiel Coyote. I can't even pronounce uh, the name. But he's uh, he's a classic, which threw me for a loop. Right? right? You don't think of them as a playable character. Like, of course, you could play them, but you never really saw what that would look like. And yeah, uh, and a lot of times in games, you're going to have problems just playing a setup. Oh, absolutely. And to see that this is different, right? It's, uh, you know, because it's classic, you're like anti-Sabat 100%. So, right. and this guy seems to be tolerable for all sorts of reasons, just different, different religion, really. And that gets deep. And I kind of like that twist. But uh, Go Yuri was, was another character that cracked me up. Everyone, because we've seen this concept thousands of times in just tank, Right. People think right. they're going to play this maximum socialite, whatever, and they think because they could talk good, all that other stuff's just going to happen and they'll be okay. Well, all that other stuff we're referring to is like she's like a she's like a big time collector. Like if you go talk to her, she can get a hold of anything that you need to make either your party or your event the hit of the century. That's what she does, and so she's known through the city. And I'm like, a lot of people don't think about that. Like, you know, we've always seen these, what, the prince has a massive penthouse, always glorious money, money that nobody ever thought of or dreamed of, and all the uber-rich are these powerful people. You never think about how all those powerful people wouldn't have half of that if it wasn't someone who they can contact to get all that for them, a type of fixer. Right. And it's a smart character. The uh, the last one that I want to give an honorable mention to, and it's not only just an honorable mention to this book, but also to... Uh, the creator of this character, um, and that's uh, Tilotama. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I may be pronouncing it wrong. Um, it's a Ravnos character, 
and it's one that I'm I don't find utterly intolerable. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting concept. I kind of like that. So, uh, thank you, Mr. Matt Dawkins, for making a Ravnos that I wasn't like, oh, I I would just like to pitch in the trash. I think uh, you did a great job, but also. You know, I, I have to I have to speak specifically. Um, this is a book I picked up at a half price books for like seven fifty, and it is honestly I think it was a worthwhile pickup. I think it's uh, it's going to be easy for me to use these characters in a game. Uh, and you know, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm all about like, is it useful? Will I get my dollars worth out of it? And I think very uh, very distinctly. Uh, I will get my dollar's worth. You know, this is not a hard read. It's not difficult to digest. Um, now, if you're the type of storyteller who you want to create every single little facet of your game and you guys are out there, um, you know, will you be able to use this? I don't know. Maybe you'll get inspiration from it. But for me, I, I picked it up and I was looking for little seeds to plant in my own game. And, I, and that that's what happened. I have little characters I can use, little seeds to plant. So I think it's definitely a worthwhile book. Now. Um, can I say some bad stuff about it? Can you? That's a rhetorical, that's a rhetorical question, Bob. <laughs> I'm, I'd like to say one, one criticism and it's a criticism I hate to give personally as someone who, um, spends a lot of time trying to make art that is worthwhile and digestible. The visual art in this book, uh, leaves a lot for me to be desired. I don't care for how it looks. Um, and that's just on a whole, um, you know, again, I don't want to trash anybody, but I think like the, the actual art style of these characters, um, I think they actually kind of distract from what the characters are. And I don't particularly care for how the art looks just my personal criticism. Uh, that's it. I think, um, you know, especially one of my, I think the most ridiculous pictures in here, um, has got to be the Gangrel character. Uh, I'm just like, like looking at that character, I look at it and I'm like, he looks like a guy I used to game with at the Riverwalk. That's that's all I have to say. And it has like a crazy looking, like way too big machine gun. <laughs> and it's just like totally pulls me out of it. I uh well the only the only thing I ever say about about artwork is that it shouldn't it's it's there to tell you more about what you're reading. You know, go together. Mm -hmm. And the, my that's always my question. Um do you do you think it does that? Uh, do you think that character is the portrayal of what the writing is? Um, in some circumstances, like, uh, with the Zemis, um, uh, with DZ Schillinger, uh, I think, uh, it's pretty good, but, um, again, a lot of it is actually kind of distracting to me. Um, I just think that the characterizations could have been done a little bit better, but that's it, you know? And I, I, I that's my only real, uh, like issue with that at all. So, and I got to ask you, do you, have yeah. you figured out what the hell big Keith is holding over his head? no <laughs> but that's that's what i mean like i don't know it looks like a like a rock full of rebar or something i don't i don't know right, I, okay. I thought that too but then i remember seeing these huge like what like wasp nests right that have it and i, <laughs> I keep thinking yeah. you know well if he's high as as it gets i don't know Where do you get? well i'm just saying as an example there's like fun we could sit here and guess but we'll you know right 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 that's the but that's what i'm talking about you know it's like like the artwork you know that was like the biggest distractor for me i was just kind of like ugh. but that's it that's really all i have to say about it other than that i think that uh the book is a fine addition to my library um so you know definitely get out there and grab a copy of that um if you're looking for some additional characters to add into your game 
moving right along, let us jump into headfirst the lore of the bloodlines, shall we? We shall. Shall do it with gusto. Okay, and uh, I too, I got I got me a sexy little hardcover version of this book. It's pretty delightful. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, so uh, bloodlines. Bob, what's a bloodline? Well, a bloodline is a clan that's not considered one of the big 13 usually. That's how it is. So <clears throat> basically it's considered uh, you're young, right? Or that you don't have enough support or power as a clan to be considered an official, fully functional clan. Um, often you're, uh, you're rare two or three, um, maybe on a continent that people believe. You're just not a force. But you still you still have a clan nonetheless, right? But we can't call the full clan because that's what the clans get to call themselves. So you, you right? I I was gonna say I think uh, I think like the main distinction that they make in this book is like the a bloodline doesn't have a, a one of the thirteen antediluvian progenitors or something like that. And it's and it's a misnomer, right? Because right there they're throwing right. shade on something that they've never said. We have no idea how many antediluvians there were. Right. right, we don't. There's too much misinformation. So to have a distinction, I really just think I like to think of it this way. When we get to it, you'll see it. In the Dark Ages, they had high clans and low clans, and this is just the the advanced version of it. If you're called one of the, if you're called a clan, you're obviously one of the high clans. If you're called a bloodline, you're considered a low clan. Is is right. a different take of it, but use their distinction because that's the review, right? Right, and there there are other like um, with the case of um, like modern politics, right? The uh, the Cappadocians were were destroyed, you know, like in the in the uh, the story, the Cappadocians are destroyed by the Giovanni, and when the Giovanni uh, destroy the Antediluvian for the Cappadocians, they become a clan, whereas like those Cappadocians might become a bloodline. So there's a like a small distinction there, but it's not super important. We'll we'll keep it to they're the smaller, less viable, less potent uh vampiric offshoots from from the clans. Um so what is your opinion? Just real quick, we don't need to get too deeply involved in this, but like what are your opinions on bloodlines as a whole? Do you care? Do they add anything to your game? You know, what, what do you think about that? So specifically, Daughters of Cacophony, Gargoyles, Kiasid, um, Nagaraja, Chubruha. I've I've never considered them. They pull me out of the element of vampire. That's what they do. They've always got, and for whatever, for whatever reason, they just don't feel the same, right? I think Daughters of Cacophony mm-hmm. was a way to pull sirens into the game. You know, the ones that would call you into the ocean, surprise, they're mermaids and they can eat you. And I, and I feel that that's very much what they are. Gargoyles should all, should be just with the Tremere, right? As their own experiment, right. leave it alone. Specialty thing with points, and they could do it. Because they're incredibly hard to play. But people like to play them. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying for me, it's a it's a weird take. Kiasid, it's you want to play Faye, but you want to play with your vampire friends. Right? That's, that's <laughs> it's straight up what it is. It answers that on the mark. It's like, oh, okay. Well, now they're mixologists, and I guess we'll get that. Uh, Nagaraja, mm, uh, why? I just... I'll never understand, right? <laughs> but even still, all that's approvable to me except for True Bruja. I think True Bruja is digestible if you throw Temporis out. I actually like their update on them. That's right, folks. I actually like the write-up of these True Bruja if we completely get rid of the idea of fucking with time. Just just throw yeah. it out the window. I, I, I definitely, I want to go down the line here. Like, obviously, we're going to review this and how, you know, what they did with it. But um, as far as I'm concerned... There, there's one bloodline in here where I'm just like, why? I don't get it. But um, it's always been that way. And I think that people give us a lot of 
a lot of flack, maybe you'd call it flack, for our distaste for the true Bruja, but I don't even think they're the worst bloodline. Like, that's just truth. I don't think they're the worst bloodline. Um, but let's get started. Let's let's talk a little bit um, on a whole about what's <clears throat> in this book. So we open up. Oh, go oh, no, ahead, I just, I just wanted, to, wanted to start off saying that let's get the typical out because I feel we got a lot of discussion room here. So I just want to say mm-hmm. it's still a beautiful V20 book. It's going to tell you off the bat where everything's located that you're possibly looking for relating to these clans. Lord right. of the Clans did it. You have that in the bloodlines as well. I think it's brilliant that they do that. Because as a reference tool, oh my god, is it so much easier to go, where the hell is that obscure discipline my player took? Okay, page so-and-so. Boom. Flip to it. It's there. Read it. Done. Right. Right. I, I think that uh, these are a very effective stopgap um, between like a full clan book and trying to hunt you know, eight different source books for the obscure bloodline. Um, let's Let's talk first and foremost about... Um, one of the more obscure, some would say non-existent bloodlines, which apparently they now do have some sort of representation in the modern era. And that's the very first one in this book, Bali. Yeah, um, I think uh, I'm going to dig deep. And I'm just going to say that it's a very bold retake on the clan. I do underline retake. Um, it's, they, t- they, made them not, they made them less villainous. They made it to where you can play them. Um, any, they basically neutralize them, right? Folks, I'm going to state this. I understand that it's, it's flavor, right? And that we want everybody to be able mm-hmm. to have a piece of the pie here, right? And I mean, everyone should be able to read this and go, I could find a way to play that. Um, that's cool. And the Bali do that. The V20 Bali do that. I do not like the adjustments of what I came to know and love. And that is, I got creeped out and downright a little scared. And if you know me, I'm a horror fan. I enjoyed getting a little scared reading the original Bali clan book. And this pretty much says, forget about it. Right. It's like, it's, you know, we're, we're different now. We're over here. And I'll tell you specifically where you, it lost me, right? Everything more or less is the same power wise, how that might work, all that stuff. But they made them evil Indiana Jones, right? That's the running around to do, but even their origin stories, it throws me for a loop, right? It's like, what is it? It's a, it's Moloch. And their gall are brothers. And they run around eating uh, the these elder beings they found. That's what gave them their power. And I said to myself, granted, that could be a lie. We could say normally it's hokey. That isn't the take on it. That's, it's not what that is. But do I feel that somebody could read this and be the Bali of old? Would they get the same take? Absolutely not. Um, I'm just going to go out here and I'm going to state it matter-of-factly. One of the one of the things I liked the best about the uh, the new Black Handbook was they there was a lot of information in there about the Bali and uh, I was like very much looking forward to reading about more information in this book and getting like a greater an idea of the story for a modern context and I did not get that I didn't get that at all in fact there's less information in here about the Bali and their origins than there is in the black handbook. And so I found that very annoying. It, it actually kind of ticked me off. Um, I think that they took a very nuanced and creepy and really fucked up villain that they'd made. It's kind of like the boogeyman. And I feel like they made them very one dimensional in here. I feel like now they are essentially a glorified, like demon worshiping. 
Right. There, I, I don't know. The Bali in this book, I, I, I read this and I was very, very disappointed. I was like, they they made them playable, but in a way that makes them throw away. And, They're... and, that's, and that's, the, that's the opinion you got to take, right? Because I feel that distinctly, what is the challenge the writers face, the authors face? How do we stay loyal to the material? How do we stay loyal to the fans? And the fans had always demanded, well, we can never play Bali, right? Because how could you possibly, in a campaign with anybody, this is your answer? Right. And, well, and when you look at it from that does, angle, does, you know, it, that's your well, here's the question. Does, does, does everything need to be playable? You know, that, I mean, that's, I, and, and my thing was when, when I started playing this game, it was very much like the Bali were a thing in the dark ages and they were killed off. I'm totally acceptable with that. And then as you read a little bit deeper, you know, the, the concept was, Hey, pst, storyteller, turns out they haven't been killed off but only you get them and they're like the worst thing in your world, right? For vampires, they're like the worst because thing. They're terrible. To, to, give, to give everybody help for this, because I'm going to pitch it to Nate. Hey, Nate, this is before the Bali clan book ever came out. Do you remember being in a game where every time the villain was revealed, it was an infernalist, right? It's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like the worst thing anybody could conceive is a vampire who right. worships demons. And that's as, right. that's as bad as it got. And I feel they went to the well and said, "Oh, really? Well, let us let us see what we right. could do. Let's write this up." And they came. They got you with the Bali clan book, and that book was scary. It was like uh, you have no idea the vaguest conception of just how bad it can get. But after you read that book, you have an idea, and that's and that's where it right. goes. And you're right. In the storyteller's hands, that's where it was. I'm um, taking it out of their hands to be playable for characters. Um, even me, if I were to say, "Hey, I'm gonna play a Bali. I'm gonna make this," I I might. I, I don't think I could. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I'll tell you what, um, even so, I still got some inspiration here for my own version of the Bali, uh, for when they do rear their ugly heads in whatever game I'm running. Um, I still, I still find great inspiration from them. I just feel like their characterization here, uh, is very much, um, it's like diet cola, you know, <laughs> uh, you taste it and you're like, it's, it's cola. But it just something doesn't taste right about it. Um, it's it's so. it's not that I because I didn't list them right as one of the ones that shouldn't exist, um, you know. And there's reasons for that. Um, they're still the Bali. They're still here. Like I'm just saying, stick to the positive. They, they did the best of what right. they have. You can use them. Obviously, like Nate and I agree, it's inspirational. Um, they even have a couple new new powers that fit them well and merits. So I mean, it's it's golden for that. All right. Moving right along, let us talk about the daughters of Cacophony, shall we? So the gargoyles are pretty good in here, and oh no 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 no. Actually, um, there's something in here. I'm trying to find it right now that makes this entire book worth my time. Uh, and the daughters of Cacophony. I've never really thought of any reason to include them in a game. I don't. I to me, they're just. If, if a player wanted to find one, I'd include one in a game. But to me, I don't see them adding anything to my game. Um, but this debate has gone on for years and years. Bob, do the daughters of Cacophony, do they embrace males? Ugh. Yeah, right. So here, here's what it says. Uh, oh, let me find this here real quick. However, we have no plans to change our name or make a point of invent, inviting more men to even the balance. Just as so, many women have had to be better, uh, have had to be better to get ahead in a man's world. 
we hold the men we embrace to a higher standard. Some like to call themselves the sons of discord just to assuage their vanity. But I know a French daughter who, who insists we're, we are les chanteux. I don't, I don't know French. Sorry. Uh, and we're not changing to that either. <laughs> There's no sub-bloodline or secret sect of men. If any of our children have a problem being known as daughters of cacophony, maybe eternity isn't for them. So, yeah, they do embrace men, but they don't change the name. So it's not, it's not a big deal. If you want to be a guy and play a daughter of cacophony, that's awesome. You just have to call yourself a daughter of freaking cacophony and have a day. Well, there's, there's that, which works, right? It does. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm... I can't say more than you have for legal reasons, but it, it, it goes well. Um, <laughs> the thing that gets me about them the most, right, is they sat around and said, we're going to take, we're three sisters who could sing so beautiful, we're so devoted that we can make this clan. There's any number of ways you could say it, but usually it's like a mouth, what was a mouth venture in Tordor. And those are, those are just the ones who did it, you know, the beautiful clans. And they, and they make this thing. And then it's like, actually, that wasn't it at all. We were a product of the black hand. That's right. The true hand. And we're here to make sure that our singing ruins cities. Now. Which which seems like the most convoluted plot. I I saw it. I read it. And I went, okay. Well, at least they took nothing and put something where it needs to go. Right. And I said, I, I could see it. You could put it in there. I am back to your opinion, though, that I just don't see the need forever to have it, right? Because I could take a Torador or a Venture or a Malkavian and have them be of the true hand and make them good singers. And I could have them come in and do that without the need for a special discipline. But this gives them that because there must have been a demand uh, for it. That's the thing. Most important to me is enlightenment. And I hate going off half cocked. Now, a lot of times when I give opinion, I only have what was written. I don't have how we got there. So I'm one of those people that can be accepting of what the end result is, if I can understand what you were working with and where it came from. And this might've been one of those office moments where somebody comes running in and like, I had a great idea. I got a great idea. It's something to everybody. Here they are. And it's the dogs and coffee. And you're like, well, why? Oh, well, sirens are cool. You know, they're just, just sirens just don't get enough play. Initially, if you think about right. it, somebody's going to like them. Oh, okay. Make them up. And, you know, they wrote up good note, and here you got it. And they're not bad. They're right. not bad. You, you could go through and read them, and they have a purpose. They have a place. They have uh, every every faction of culture you want in the clan is there. And they even have their special traits. It's just I keep thinking to myself, if you want to role play being a, night, uh, a lounge singer in a nightclub all the time, well, I guess you found your clan. Well, uh, that brings us next to the Gargoyle. They're cool. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely dig the Gargoyles, at least their characterization in this book. Um, it's definitely given me a different perspective on them personally. Uh, and I think that, uh, it's an entertaining perspective. I think that they're, they're a very difficult clan though, for anybody to play or a different, very difficult bloodline for anybody to play. I, like inherently they're a breach of the masquerade. I, um, uh, it's, it's hard for me to enjoy victim role play. Right. And, uh, what do I mean by that? Mm-hmm. What I call victim role play is when somebody wants to play a character to experience the trauma and to act out the trauma of what they go through. Cause to me, it belittles those who actually have to deal with said trauma, right? I don't necessarily like anything related to slavery for the same thing. We're kind of tug in cheek about a very real thing and that can happen. So I avoid it, right? It gets uncomfortable real quick. When I look at gargoyles, I say to myself, it's a simple solution to making them super cool. What's wrong with you just being what you are? And this book goes nothing. Right. Here you go. you be exactly as you want to be. Cause I enjoy the idea that, okay, I'm, I'm embraced as a gargoyle. This is what I am. I can't remember my past. I didn't become an adult and the whole time I went, what if I was really something else I can't remember? 
you know, how did I get here? Right. You know, it's like, okay, great. I may have said how I get here, but understanding I, this is where I'm from and this is where I'm at. This is apparently my world. And I just accepted that that made sense to me. But every time I read how gargos get written, it's always like they're these people eternally questioning who, what, and why. And I'm like, okay, well, sometimes you are what you are and you're an immortal and get it done. And they slam dunk that for these guys right here. I feel. Well, I definitely enjoy them. Uh, uh, I think that um, getting the perspective on on where they came from and what they are now uh, and how they embrace now, um, I find them very interesting. And uh, again, it's it's something that uh, I want to use in, in my game, but I also want to use very sparingly, right? To me, uh, the one takeaway from this is, you know, you can sit down and you can play any one of these bloodlines if your storyteller is down with the groove and, you know, wants to play that type of game but like for me i always look for seeds as a storyteller like i've said like a dozen times in this podcast already and i i i like using gargoyles i like using them as something that is like adjacent to the tremere but also like to me i i could see how it'd be interesting and and entertaining to throw them into like an anar game and we we've used versions of them in sabat games so uh definitely yeah I, the gargoyle they're they're not my favorite but I also, I feel like they have their place, um, you know, as a creature that was created for the, you know, the very disturbed Tremere, uh, who eventually broke free. I like that. And, and I also think that that like leads up to where we are in like a modern context with the Tremere. I agree. All right. So moving right along to the Harbingers of Skulls. This is beautifully done. Harbingers of Skulls is beautifully, it's just awesome because they still keep that whole thing that we're a broken clan, but we're, we don't necessarily... They have a hatred, but it's not the it's not the sole focus they focus on here, right? right. It's um, it's 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 people who've adapted to what life has thrown at them, and they've become something else. They have more substance, more of a focus of what they are, who they were. They redefine their culture. They redefine how they reach out and touch with the Shadowlands and get more in depth with using the uh, with Acheron, for instance, is even mentioned in here is awesome. Um, and they, they gave them powers that actually go through this and make them unique enough to actually stand out from being just, oh, that's a Cappadocian in the Sabbat, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. I, 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 uh, I always thought that, um, like this bloodline was one that like was really super interesting, but there wasn't a lot of like actual detail as far as like playability and what their like true motives were. And, you know, we, we got them in the revised Sabat book. And like, that was one of the things where I was like, Oh shit, what is that? Those are cool as hell. But like, but as a storyteller, you're not really given much more information. It's just like a two page spread, have a day. And so you're kind of left to your own imagination. This section to me gives them a, uh, for lack of a better term, a sort of human element so that you can understand as a player how you might be able to play them. And to me, that's that's worth the price of admission there. So I, 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 I'm quite favorable um, about this section and like what their specifics are and what their motivations are. I, I definitely dig it. So moving right along to the Chaosid uh, or Chaosid. Chaosid. They're, the, they're one of the ones that were thrown on, like I said. They want to play a Fae? Here you go. Um, it's true. But I call them mixologists because a lot of what they do, they're all about information, right? They're all about knowing it, and that's right. kind of what their thing has always been. But they flush that out here. They make it wider, right? They could do uh, politics. They can be involved in heavy research for people. They show you more ways they could reach out and actually interact. So it's not a clan that only – it's not a clan only Bob would play in the corner because he 
wants to be able to say he knows everything, right? So he takes all knowledge. Right. It's not that. Um, they also do something where there's always been a thing uh, with people wanting to do flavored blood, the Vitae profile. You know, I mean, profiling. What is, what is it? The Vitae file. And, uh, you know, right. I am a Torador sitting back with flavored blood, and I want everybody to try it. No, that's this Kiasset, right? They're going to do it better because they gave them a skill set to where mm-hmm. they can. They're known for that. And if you have a Kiasset at your party, if you're looking to be uh, a known canine who really lives it up, you're going to have a mixologist who knows what they're doing and knows their stuff. And they make it to where it can be them. Uh, it's a little quirky, but sometimes that's good. Right. And I know I've, I've, used, I've yeah. used this version once. Nobody noticed, but when I used it, I liked it and it worked out. So I, I think it's really cool too, that, um, I, we've talked about the, the whole, uh, alchemy thing and the, with the thin blood. Um, I, I think that this version of like alchemy with the blood is much more in line with how I would include it in a game. Um, like there are some like desired effects or like desired feelings, but um, I think this is a better version personally. That this is just my opinion. Um, I've never really used uh the kiosk in a game. I've never really felt a need to. I just thought that they were kind of like a, a strange oddity that like that it was to me it was always like people wanted to play them in a LARP so that they didn't have to be super involved. Um and so that they were like weird and had like a special discipline. Which um, what we're saying is to that end that's not our play style. You know, we, we want everybody to no. be involved, engaged, know a character. And, and if you're that way, that's fine, but that's not us. I just want to make that distinction. Right. I, I think that what this has done is it's definitely, it's, it's engendered an interest in me. Like I'd love to know more about this bloodline and how they actually developed. And, and I'd like to, you know, get a little deeper into it. Um, but it's probably not something I would play, uh, as a player. Um, I, I, I but, but either way, I think it's good. Right. And that's uh, that's all that matters. So uh, we get to uh, the Nagaraja. The Nagaraja are the Nagaraja. It's, uh, it's the best way I could put it. I've never, um, if, you, if you can't hear my tone, I just can't, uh, uh, they, they eat people and they're necromancers. I just, and they, and they still right. eat people and they're still necromancers. I mean, um, they're quirky as well, except not to the good, right? These, these guys right. have a way of, uh, they call a chapter uh, living as a serial killer that sticks out in my mind. And it kind of, because what do you do? These guys got to go. Their opening story tells you about a guy who is eating someone on a table because that's how he has to feed. And then when the guy dies, he starts eating him again as he's dead because he could do that with the powers they have. And I was like, that's gritty. That's grimy. That's cruel as shit. But why the hell do you exist? Oh, they exist to be a villain in your game. That's to, to be a thing that your coterie goes and cleans up. And it has to be like there's there's other ways to do it. I'm certain. You know what, Bob? I, I want to agree with you. I really do. Like in in all honesty, like I want to agree with you because I feel like there there has to be something salvageable. <clears throat> but I mean, they give you in the character concepts. You you your your character concept is you live in a hole, and the prince throws things he wants to get rid of down to you, right? Like that's not. That's not a playable concept. I'm sorry. Like, it legitimately is not a playable concept. And to me, this bloodline exists. If you cannot feed properly and you have to cannibalize every time you feed, you are a problem. You are a violation of the masquerade. Even the Sabbat is going to go, 
that asshole's got to kill basically every time he feeds. Or what you have to do is you have to set up a room where you lock somebody down and you slowly feed off of them until you eat them. <laughs> oh, great. So toy grows up. <clears throat> right. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, to me, I don't see them as being anything playable except as a boogeyman for your followers of set characters. Which is exactly what, how I've seen it tried to be played. Um, they're just they're just awkward, you know. Right. And uh, to to give you an idea firsthand of seeing someone play, they're an experienced player. I just watch them try to do a concept and then quickly get get alienated, right, from everybody else because you can't do the beautiful feeding, right? You can't just seduce someone and they live. It's got to be you know pipe over the head, mound your bone, right, and call it a day. So it's it's hard to pull off. That having been said, I find them quite enjoyable, and uh, I intend to have at least one in every game I run. See, as villains, they work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that in a lot of ways, um, you know, this is meant for players, but really as a storyteller, I'm the one benefiting. (laughs) (laughs) You want to tell an interesting tale? Well, how about cleaning up that? Never mind. I don't want to give too much away because maybe players in my game might be listening. Um, (laughs) Moving right along to the salubri. Well, um, yeah. What's up with Uh, that? they're salubri. Um, it's, it sounds like I'm really like, nah, I won't even get into that. The salubri are just different. They condensed a lot down and made, I guess, a, just a simpler version for you to rifle through and get them. Um, right. They're not Diabolus, right? That's not what right. they do. There's, there's a group called the Seven who apparently they believe are seven salubri that go around. And every time they embrace someone else, they willingly get Diabolus to condense down the blood and believe you should follow them. Right. And everyone else says stay away from those guys because they're crazy. And that's, okay, great. But then they got the Wuzhou in here, and then they got the Alamans, so there's more factions of them in here. It's great and all. Right. They they basically revised this bloodline and made them, again, more playable, more functional as a clan. And, and you know, it's not just, uh, you know, they, they didn't write out what they used to say about them. They kind of just gave you a different perspective and said, no, that's not 100% correct. Basically made them said, hey, now nah, they're weak sauce. We're different. And uh, right. all right. We'll go with that, and we'll, we'll keep it. Uh, the Slubri anti tribute are still around and kicking butt. Um, you still got them, and they definitely open up the doors for some powers and, and different ways to see them. And so to that end, they're a slam dunk all around. They do have a unique power I like in here called Augering the Sickness. Uh, that's a good one. I like the aspect that you can not just uh, heal wounds, but also diseases. I think that's kind of an overlooked thing, um, but that you can do it here. Right. And then you get it's a combo power, not combo, it's just a power, and um, that's awesome. I enjoy that. Yeah, I like how they get a little bit into like the the third eye and like what that actually means and how that develops and how it grows as you become more potent and you know you you go along the lines of your of your discipline. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I just uh, I, I like the Salubrianti tribute because I like kind of like what they're about, um, but. By and large, I'm kind of still like meh about Salubri in general. Um, I feel like I don't know, like me personally, I just don't think that they add anything. I, I don't, I'm, I don't really care for them too much. So, uh, sorry to be dismissive because I'm sure there's people out there who are like, "That's my favorite clan ever." Fuck you. I'm sorry. I just, uh, I don't, I don't find them to be particularly um, stirring. Uh, kind of boring to me. But no feels. Got it. No, no, they don't. They, to me, it, they're kind of like they're like a plot device for like when you want like a, a really virtuous hero to ride in and like save some people. 
I don't do that in my game, so that's just not my thing. Um, high five. <laughs> All right, moving right along to uh, the, I, I call them the Samedi. Uh, I've heard them pronounced as Samedi. Um, and they are, uh, what, what is this bloodline, Bob? Well, as they say it themselves, they're a bloodline that came about through the, uh, the slavery that uh, hit the Caribbean type thing, plantations, all that, etc. And through all that, they were, uh, they just appeared uh, one day as far as they know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've been feeding off them ever since and grew up culturally with them. So voodoo, Haitian, um, pretty much the whole nine of it. You could even get down and say Creole and say they come up to Louisiana a little bit if you like, get funky. And uh, they're going to fit origin-wise. But these guys are the rotting dead necromancers that we've come to know and love. I, I think these guys are great. I think it's, a, uh, it's an interesting, weird history. And I think every vampire clan should have a mystery history. Right. You know, I don't know where we come from, but here we are. Let's find our oldest one. It's like one of the oldest tropes to do. That's always a good thing to have, in my opinion. They have it. Right. And uh, I also get a soft place in my heart for having, culturally speaking, of having like like African cultural, Haitian, Caribbean heritage and lifestyle thrown in that didn't have to come from the Sedites. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, it's kind of like a part of their conflict uh, inadvertently. Um, you know, the, the whole Haitian thing. We, we've talked... If you've read Beckett's Jihad Diary, like there's conversations with the Baron. So um, you don't get any more greater information here than you do directly from the source there in that book. It's very much like questions within questions. And we're not going to tell you. We're not going to teach you. Nobody really knows. Did it come from the Nosferatu? Don't know. Cappadocians? Could be. Uh, Giovanni? Maybe. Who knows? Um, nobody's talking, <laughs> nobody's telling the truth. Nobody's saying what they are. Um, I've always really enjoyed this bloodline. It's been one of my favorites because, um, you know, back in the day I was just like really into zombies and I was into like the, the concept of the sort of dripping, rotting corpse. And, um, so in that regard, I like them They're They are actually, I would say, um, you know, like top two, as far as like my favorite bloodlines are concerned i think that they're just interesting and a little different and a little off the beaten path and uh, i think that they're a lot of fun to play and a lot of fun to play around with the concepts other than to say that if you're looking for them to be a bit more fleshed out than you've seen it's here no pun intended. it'll give you it'll give you a great a greater idea of what it is and they got rid of the rot of doubt that brings us to the conclusion which is the true bruja so what I can say about this is that they did a real good revision. Like the Dark Ages clan book for Bali is better. Um, but what you could do for them is just see what I did right there. <laughs> you said true Bruja, so I rewound time. I rewound time and took us back to the beginning. And it no? Okay. <laughs> just, all right. My bad. My bad. <laughs> well, okay, so what what are the true Bruja? Um <laughs> Well, I can tell you uh what the true Bruja are are uh, an interesting clan that got mad that they're a cooler bruja. <laughs> uh, so look, check this out. Um, they refer to the the parent bruja clan in this book as the new bruja. And I just, I felt that that was very humorous. To me, uh, look, the true bruja in here are not incredibly annoying and um, boring as shit as as they used to be um i think this is the best possible story one could tell about a bloodline who's 
basic function is to not do anything but like silently complain that there are other bruja who are aggressive. Nathan, I completely agree with your hypothesis to the clan. Would you mind if we went back to when you originally had the thought so I could study you another 50 times and get exactly down why it is that you believe suddenly that they're okay? One moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you mind if I stood here and I, I looked at time as it flashed by for like a thousand years? I'm probably going to need to like blow a lot of blood and spend like five or six hours going through. It's all right. So look, reading this, I want to give the true Bruja the benefit of the doubt. I really do. Like, I want to like them, but I, I don't. I just don't care. Like, to me, if your sole purpose is to like, we're going we're gonna to pretend to be this other faction of Bruja uh, and maybe infiltrate them just so we can watch and see what they're doing. Like, dude, you've had like 2,000 years. It turns out the Bruja are pretty predictable. Like, they revolt. What are you doing? One of the weirdest things that they had in here, it's just weird, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they had something, it's a merit called advanced tech, right? <laughs> Except when you read it, it says they're not good at necessarily creating anything. They're good at tinkering. Right. Modification and innovation. And I'm like, what the hell are these guys? Like, what's, hmm. what, what are those fey guys that cobble all the time? I don't know. Except, yeah. except they're a lot more knockers. They're a lot more happy and entertaining to listen to while they tinker with everything. But here we have a flaw. Because I always think the merits, excuse me, the merits, they, merits and flaws actually last to the flavor of the clan, right? It's to add so. more quirk and definition. But when I when I read this, I'm like, why? Like, it's like, what? So you're better at what .com work than somebody else who builds right. a web page? I don't understand. I've got and a cell like, phone that'll last like 10 years instead of five. Guess like, what, Bruhan? You might run really fast, but I just invented a can of soda. <laughs> that, uh, what? No, it's a can of soda. In my time, this wasn't possible. This can of soda always stays cold somehow. All right. Through the power of magic of my blood. Um, I also, uh, there's a merit in here called true celerity. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a five point merit. And uh, basically, you don't move faster, everything else moves slower but it works and functions identically to how celerity works. Stop, Bob. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I can't look. The, the charade must end. <laughs> no. Uh, no, honestly, I don't know. Uh, true Bruja, just not... Not good. Not very good. Um, I don't think that there's any way to make them good. And I'm sorry. I want, I, like I said, I want to, I want to like them. I want to have an open mind and reading the story of them. I wasn't totally annoyed or put off by it. Um, I, but, I said that at the beginning, story's mm-hmm. fine. Get rid of 10 yeah. ports. True celerity right. and that other weird merit, throw them out. We're fine. We're right. fine. You're that weird group of elders that walk around. Your shit don't stink and you're awesome. And you're the brew. I don't get pissed. Okay, great. Right. Just take the path of Entelecki, be happy like everybody else, and sit in the corner and play with a bag, okay? No one cares. That's that's what it's... <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Stay in the corner, play with a bag. <laughs> oh, man, what a, what a way to go out on. <laughs> you guys, all of you listening, we're, we're going out of of two over two years of podcasts talking about modern day vampire, the masquerade, we're going out 
with true bruja. <laughs> <laughs> like the haunted, I've been haunted by that since the first true handbook. I'm just saying. How did we end up doing that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Well, look, I just want to apologize to anyone who likes the true Bruja. You're wrong, but I'm sorry. <laughs> but 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 as always, you're entitled to your opinion. Yep. We're entitled we're entitled to clown on that opinion, but right. not on you. You no, like no. what you like, you play what you like, and ultimately, the thoughts and opinions that we have expressed on this podcast are our thoughts and opinions. Right. Right. If you if you want cohesive, good good rules set, smart setup, playable, you you like them, you want to play them. F you, Bob and Nate. This book is fantastic. Or yeah. if, if you're like me, and I, and I won't speak for Nate here, but if you're like me, I do like this book, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, this book is great. I told you, the set's awesome. It's great to see it going through. I do use it for reference, and it's good for oddities here and there. And the storyteller is always responsible for using the information, the stuff they take to make it seem cool and digestible, not just the authors of the book. Yep. Also, the artwork in this book is fucking beautiful. Sexiest. Oh my god! Except for the Bali, the Bali could uh, go fart in the wind and I don't, go I, eat it. I, I, I disagree. You stop your lying whore mouth right there. Mm-mm, no, I no, thought I, that- the, so. The art I think is beautiful, but I don't think it's representative of the Bali. You didn't like that demon ripping off someone's head, running it side by side. No, 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 no. The individual character, the the oh, the, the okay. art, the art in the Bali section is boss. It's fucking great. The dude with the, the shirt open in the writing. Sex. Right, but but like the main character, I, I was like, that doesn't really say Bali to me. Oh, um, the main story? Yeah, yeah. I, I said yeah. Evil and Neo Jones, right? Right. Uh, well, I, anyways. I reserve, uh, I reserve that the, noise for True Burha. I, I, I very much like the um, the Harbingers of Skull uh, picture. Uh, I think that that's like, it just looks evil to me. But uh, yeah, so the, the book is beautiful. I love it. Get yourself a printed copy and put it on your bookshelf um, to add to your your wall of green marble, and uh, you'll be very happy, like I was. Um, I remember we're all judged by our wall of green marble. We are. You are. You are nothing if you are not your wall of green marble. You um, don't have a big wall of green marble. You won't. You won't please that special summon in your life. Right. Right. How are you gonna? How are you gonna impress that lad or lass that comes to your house? They're going to look at your wall and they're not going to find a wall of green marble and they're just (laughs) going to walk right on out. It's the truth. I've been there. If it's not green, it's just peen, right? That's how it is. I don't don't know what that means. (laughs) Anyways, um, so for those uh, that are not maybe super familiar with uh, what we have going on, um, what's next, Bob? Uh, What's next is going to be Dark Ages when we get back up full swing. Um, right. But uh, actually, we also got a good review that came from beneath the sea. Yeah, that we got that coming up on our uh, our sister podcast, which we've been um, just unpleasantly ignoring lately. Uh, but we're going to get back into the full swing of things with that. Oh, you're um, wearing the pirate hat, right? The captain's hat, excuse me? Uh, I, I do not have any aquatic hats. Got to get that for you. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a captain's hat. I don't have like a... I don't have like a three, like a tricorn hat. I don't have any of that. Five men I, went into the water. Into the water. <laughs> Shark's eyes. They're like a doll's eyes. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for that game. I saw him. Uh, did you know that uh, the characters in Mallrats were named after the um, characters in Jaws? 
I did not know that. Yeah, Brody and Quince. Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, I didn't know it either. I did never clicked in my head. Um, so, anyways, we have that coming up. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we're going to be on vacation, and what I mean by vacation is we're going to be on vacation from you all. Uh, doing a whole bunch of work in the background um, to prepare for our transition from modern day Vampire the Masquerade to Dark Ages. So the very first uh, episode that we are going to be doing, sorry, Bob's dying in the background. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. You ever drink water and it just decides to kill you? Yeah, that was it. (laughs) Yes, I have. Yeah, healthy um, my ass. It just wants to kill. All right. Uh, so uh, we're going to be coming back in about, uh, I think, the last week of February um, with our very first Dark Ages review, where we're going to be reading, reviewing, discussing the Dark Ages, the vampire book, just the base book. Hello, Ground Zero, number one. So uh, yeah, uh, that's going to happen. And uh, we're, I'm going to make a, a new intro, you know, I'm going to make a new logo for the podcast. It's going to be awesome. Uh, or it'll suck. But either way, you'll join us, and I appreciate that. It will not suck. There is no, no. suck at Utility Muffin no. Labs. There is no. no amazing at Utility Muffin Labs. It's we are simply consistently adequate. Simply adequate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, let us know what you thought. Let us know what your favorite bloodline is and who can go scratch out of this book. And uh, please stay with us. Go binge listen all of our other episodes and uh, join us back here in about uh, three weeks for some brand new podcastage. Um, And also, don't want to like spoil anything, but we're going to be doing some recording of our gameplay as well. So keep uh, keep a lookout for that. All right. Anything else you'd like to add, Bob? Not at all. Uh, Final thing I'd like to say is thank you all for like two and a half years of just awesome podcasting and and growth and thanks for listening to us and sharing and giving half a remote shit about what our (laughs) opinions are um you know it's it's always weird when people are like hey you said this on a thing and you're like i did say that didn't i i have to like justify your words gotta tell you we're a bit past that though because this has become it started just us right and now it's yeah it's everybody i feel it's a community endeavor to get us to do what we do i feel from here to onyx path uh, dawkins everybody involved uh that's helped us out that's been here been on the show uh thank you from the bottom of our heart because uh nate and i put a lot of hard work into this but we do it because of the just the drive uh the passion that people have around it keeps us going yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I remember a few years back. I was like, you know, I, I, I don't read them enough anymore. I, I just, uh, man, I kind of fell out of that. Like, you know, I'd read a book like maybe every six months or so, and you know, now, I, I read a book a week, and uh, I'm like, okay, I should be careful what I wish for. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> but thank you guys very much, and uh, we'll be back with you very soon. Um, to talk about your favorite Dark Ages books. And uh, also, I just want to say um, thank you to DriveThruRPG and thank you to eBay <laughs> and thank you to Half Price Books for making our collection possible. Um, and thank you for everybody who's donated books, sent me Dark Ages books. I really appreciate you getting behind us uh, as a podcast and helping us grow. And uh, all right, well, till next week or to, until next episode, 
I am Nate. And I am Bob. And uh, we love you. Goodbye. Hey, folks, this is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you enjoyed the podcast you just listened to, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, video, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook under our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you again for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.